0: We're continuing our, our series on contending for the presence of the Lord. And uh, I was telling some people this morning that, boy, I really missed you guys. I, Pastor Jody got sick, and so I had to go up there and Draper and, 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 uh, and teach for the last couple of weeks. But every time I drove past that American Fork exit, I was just like, oh man, I miss my people. I haven't seen them. And, uh, and so I'm excited to be back. But basically we're looking at Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. Ephesians 3, 14 through 19 today. And the biggest thing I, I want you guys to see in this is one, how Paul prays for his people and how we can imitate that, but also that when we pray, we have to first see how we are identified, where our strength comes from, and that God loves us. Okay, So when we pray, we remember three things. We remember who we are We remember who gives us strength and who loves us. And we're going to see that in kind of three components of this prayer. So read with me. I'm going to read verses 14 through 19. And then we'll go through it and break it up. It says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's a good passage, right? So let's look at the first point, identity. He says here, every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Derives its name. Where does it come from? Who, who gives them the name they have? Right. And he's talking about people of faith in the past in the present and into the future. And what we need to remember is that we come from a mighty lineage of faithful people. Maybe not our our blood relatives, necessarily, but what Jesus has redefined is the family concept. Remember in Mark when Jesus is speaking to his disciples and they're talking about his mother and his sisters and his brothers being out in outside the door looking to, looking for him and, and wanting to speak with him. And, and Jesus is sitting around and he says, these people who do my father's will are my brothers, my sisters, and my mothers, right? One of my favorite passages in Mark. And what we're seeing here is a redefinition of what family is. A family of faith rather than blood. And so, so Paul is, is making a statement here that for this reason, I kneel before the Father. And so we're, we're coming before the Father. We're coming before our Father, the, the new head of the family, the, the new origin of everything, right? The source, the beginning. As we talked about we when we contend for God in prayer, we're, we're going to Him as the one who gives the source of all things, the creation of all things. He Nothing comes from Him that... that or we, we can receive all that come from Him when we go before Him because our names derive from Him. So it's like He slapped... His name onto us and says our names derive from Him. We are labeled and identified with Him, which is an important part when we come before Him, right? Because I think the first place the enemy attacks is our identities in Christ. He wants you to be identified by sin, by shame, by guilt, this, this enemy that, that's out there. And what we need to remember is when we come before the Father in prayer, we're, we're going, man, He is our Father. He is our Abba. He is our Dad, right? Amen. He is going to answer the things that we ask for Him when we ask in faith for Him. We've talked about that with that prayer of faith in the past. And I mean, how many times have you been identified by who your parents were in life? I mean, I grew up as Pastor Keith's kid, Right? That was my identity. It was Pastor Keith's kid, right? Every, I mean, Mitchell, I know. It. You're, oh, you're Doug kool kid, right? Yeah, I mean, you probably still get it. Yeah. I mean, I think we all have times in our life when we are identified as somebody else's kid, right? And so when, what Paul is saying here is that you're no longer really identified. In a way, I guess you are. I'm not saying you're completely canceling that relationship out. But what I'm saying is that in the spiritual realms, you're identified by God you're identified, boy, you're the Lord's kid, right? And as we walk into the faith in and, and prayer with him, that's the first thing we need to remember when we're, we're sitting down. I don't know if you go to your prayer closet, your rooms, your cars, wherever it is that you start to, to begin your day in prayer, you're remembering, man, I'm yours. I belong to you. You belong to me. We're in relationship. I'm coming before you, Father, because I am yours, right? We remember the identity first. And that gives us a new aspect, a a new, um, I guess what you could call a new perspective when you're going into prayer is that you're talking to your dad. You're talking to your dad. You're not talking to some outer being that has no relationship with you, right? You're going to somebody who cares for you as a father is supposed to care for his young, right? Someone who's going to provide, someone who wants to to give you everything that, that aligns with his will. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So, when you are brought into salvation by grace through faith in Jesus, you are adopted, again, into this powerful lineage of legacies of faith. I mean, we can look at Abraham and say, man, he was a, a brother in the faith. We can look at Peter. We can look at all those guys that we read about in Scripture and, like, we kind of admire, right? I know I do. I read about these people, like Elijah. You can't read about Elijah's story and go, that guy was just normal, right? There was something normal about that guy, right? Like, absolutely not. in James, it talks about how he has the same nature as we do, right, that we have the same, um, I think it's James 3.2, I might be wrong with that though, don't quote me on that. I know it's in James, but he talks about how we have the same nature as Elijah. He can do the same things that we do, right? There, there was the same God, right? It's a legacy of faith that comes of that. So when our faith wavers in this life, which it will any time of trial, you're going to have doubts, you're going to have reasons to, to wonder if God is still there, if he loves me, why am I going through such turmoil? Why am I going through such pain and difficulties? We are to remember the promise that he has made to which gives us the faith that our lineage, he, had, he has delivered in the past, he will deliver here in the present, and he's going to deliver again in the future. Amen. Right? And that's what it's all about. And uh, Paul is trying to, to tell the Ephesians here to remember that thing. Remember what God did in the past, what he's doing now, and what he's going to do again in the future. Right? Hebrews 13.8, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change, and so we can hold on to that. And Hebrews 12.1 is another reference. It talks about the cloud of witnesses. Did you guys ever read that? The cloud of witnesses. What what what, uh, the writer of Hebrews is doing there is is reminding us to remember, again, the powerful lineage that we come from. The powerful lineage of coming. We have a cloud of witnesses that can attest to the faithfulness of God. A cloud of witnesses that attest to the power of God. And they're not sitting there just waiting for us to mess up. right? They're, they're reminding us, the stories remind us of the faith that we can have in God and the power that comes through that. So that's the that's first point. So we've got to identify with God. we need got to identify our, our identities are in Him when we go to prayer. The second part here, let's look at strength. So this is where he starts to pray. He says, I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power. You, you who come from this mighty lineage of faith, power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Where do you seek the strength to continue to move forward, is what he's talking about. Where does your strength actually come from? Because, I don't know about you, but a lot of times I try to find strength in my own abilities. And that's a, it's a, it's an anxiety-driven place, right? I mean, whenever, like I just started a new job this last week. And it was crazy. Like from 8 to 5, I was just in meetings all week, right? Like I had no time to do anything else but sit in meetings. And, and I can remember thinking, boy, I know you put me here for a reason, God. I know I'm sitting here with every, every person in this room is a BYU graduate, right? So, of course, I'm like excited a little bit about that. But at the same time, I'm like, this is a, this is a big job. Like I remember thinking, like I'm like, I'm a, I got my big boy pants on here. Like this is—I have a lot of responsibility. Like I'm not just—I'm so used to going to those entry-level positions, and you just have a lot of other people doing things, right? But I walked into this position, and it is like—it's it, a job that has a lot of responsibility. And I can remember this sense of anxiety kind of coming over me. Like, boy, this is a big weight. Boy, there's a lot of people relying on me to deliver for the things I have to deliver on. And, of course, you have that little twink of anxiety start to build up, like, I don't know if I can do this, right? I don't know if I have the abilities to do this. And I think you can take that in and just apply it into your life, wherever you're at, in whatever situation. But what Paul is saying here is that he prays that the glorious riches, the glorious riches of God, this is a, an abundance of rich, right? This is an abundance of wealth. This is an abundance of everything, Will be given you to strengthen you with the power through the Spirit. So his strength is abundant. So God's strength is abundant. I don't know you, my strength is pretty weak. Right? I used to run track. I used to be able to, to have a semblance of strength, right? But I mean, even that failed me. Even my stamina ran out, right? But what God is saying here is like, man, I want to pour all of my strength into you. Through, his, through my spirit, not through your own abilities, right? And that's where we fall. That's where we fail is when we take it upon ourselves to fix it, right? And that's where we fail. We've talked about that many times over this series is when we start to try to build up our own warriors, we try to build up our own abilities, we're going to ultimately fail. And God is going to allow that to happen to teach us a lesson saying, I'm here, turn to me. Right? I talked last week in Draper all about how, and I think probably Pete hit on this, on, on turning to the Lord. Turning to the Lord. It's not Repentance is not a bad thing. It's It's been taken as a shame, guilt, fearful burden. And what God is saying is, no, return to me. Look at me. Look at me is what repentance means. right? Look to me. Turn from where you're at and look at me because it's going to come from me. Where that comes from. So when Jesus is saying repent and believe, He's not saying, "Repent, ye sinners, or burn." Right? He's saying, "Look at me and believe." That's what repentance means, and that's where He's He's, he's saying this: "Is this, I want to pour my strength into you. I want to pour my power into you, and it comes through the Spirit." So unlike our own strength that fades and weakens, his keeps on going. Because when you look at somebody who's mature in the faith and you see them running races for 30 years, I think of my dad who, who's been pastoring for 35 years with no break. He doesn't believe in sabbaticals. It was just like, I look at him like, man, how's he? I've been doing this for like three years and I've already wanted to give up like twice. right? And you look at that guy, Like I've never heard him complain or say I'm done or anything like that. It's always been... Like we're going, we're doing this over for 35 years, and and so you look at people who have been filled with the power and strength of God in the past, and it gets us in and it in it gives us the faith to continue moving forward, but we remember that it's from the inner being, from the heart of which God strengthens, right? It's from the heart that God strengthens, and we remember that we looked at that last week with, or maybe two weeks ago, with the heart. God's strength is found in the Christ's domination of your heart, right? Because again, the flesh is weak. So he has to transform our heart. This is our passions, our motives, our thoughts, our desires, even our life are found in what the Bible calls the heart. So does God have all of your thoughts? Do you think about him? Does he have your desires? Do you desire the same thing he desires, or do you desire what you, want, what you desire, right? Or your motives? Does he, does he give you the motive? Does, does his motive align with your motive? Do you share the Gospel out of a motive of wanting to see the lost, or so that you can boast about bringing somebody to the Lord? right? Or your desires, again, that's, that's a big one. So where do your desires, where do the motives, desires, and thoughts come from? And that ultimately turns into a transformed life. If all those change, are transformed into how God has transformed you, then your life will ultimately change. So we cannot see the strength to keep on fighting, if our hearts are not completely strengthened by God. So that means surrendering everything over to Him. And that's the the anomaly of the Christian faith. It's different from every other faith because we don't say, try harder, do more, do these five things, do these ten things and you'll be fine. We say, surrender. Your strength is found in surrendering everything, not holding on to anything. And it's it's a mighty big thing, and that's why Jesus even says, and he has to surrender in his, as he's a, a human being as well. He says, "Not my will, God, but your will." In the garden, and that's exactly what we're doing here. Is we're going okay? I you know you think of Jesus in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane right now, where he's he knows exactly what's going to happen, right? He's God, so he can foresee all of the suffering he's about to endure. Imagine that. Being able to experience the, the pain before you even had to experience it, the burden that Jesus had. And he then says, You know what? I'm surrendering. Your will, God, not mine. Right? It's, a, it's an imitation that we are called to live into is okay, your will, God, not mine, despite what the consequences might be. And that's, again, what makes uh, the Christian faith different and why we need the strengthened heart to continue to move forward. And if we try to do it in ours, it's going to fail. right? Peter used to say, God, I would never forsake you. right? He was the big spokesman for, I would never forsake you. God, don't say that. I rebuke you. You're not going to go to the cross. Jesus called him the devil. I mean, could you imagine that? And what's he do? He rejects him him three times, right? Because in in his flesh, he was like, I don't want to, but I did it. It wasn't until Jesus came and restored him. Peter, take care of my sheep. The Holy Spirit fell upon him. Is in the spirit that Peter became who he always wanted to be, which is somebody who was surrendered to God. All right, let's look at the third one here. And I pray that you, church, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's people, To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So we've looked at identity. We've looked at, we need to approach God in prayer through who we are and how God looks at us. We approach Him in the sense of strength, like, man, we're going to walk into this presence of God in prayer, and we're going to be strengthened, we're going to be built up to take on what's left. And then we remember the third component is, He loves us. We walk into prayer going, man, God loves us so much. And that's so easy to forget. I know we say it, it's easy to give lip service to the love of God, right? But how many of us actually remember it when times are actually going through, right? When, when times suck, you go, God loves me? (laughs) are you like, are you there? You say you love me, but I just don't feel like you love me right now, right? I don't know, am I the only one? Okay, good. So let's look at that. We are to be rooted and established in the fact that God loves us. Rooted and established. You think about that. It is unmovable, right? You think of deep, deep roots. You think of those trees that you cannot break, right? That's how we are to be in the love of God. So rooted and established that no wind, no hurricane, no tsunami can rip that out. We are rooted and established in love. And, that's, and the love of God pours into us, but then it automatically it's one of those, it's like a ping pong ball that bounces off a wall like, and it goes right back out because it wants to love everybody around us. God's love doesn't just sit and stay. It wants to pour out. Because God loves the world, right? John three sixteen, God so loved the world that he gave, right? So we are the same way. He pours his love into us, remember that, but it's it has to come out, right? It can't stay in, right? So we find avenues to give our love to the people around us. And it says that and that includes that gives them power together with all the Lord's people. So you have all the Lord's people doing this, right? That's how the Roman Empire was transformed. Right? In a relatively small amount of time, 150, 200 years, the, the biggest empire in the world will go, oh, Jesus is king. Jesus is king because of what was going on in this time in Ephesus and around the rest of the churches during this time. This was the rooted and established time where the love of God was being poured out. And it still wants to. It still wants to be poured out. It hasn't changed, right? Amen. So never slide into the insecurity that God has stopped loving you. okay? Because your, per- your prayers will be affected, your time with the Lord will be affected when you don't really sense that God loves you. Or you have insecurities about God loving you because of ex-sin or whatever situation or bitterness because he, he didn't deliver the way you thought he should deliver. So we always need to remember that God loves us, we're secure in that fact, we're rooted and established, because insecurity out of that will affect our time with the Lord. Because you won't want to spend time with Him, right? Exactly. So in Christ, again, there's no longer shame, guilt, or condemnation, there is only His great love. We're not condemned any longer, we're not not defined by shame and condemnation or guilt. We're defined by, God, man, God loves us. I think of what you know, Apprentice and Sarah were sharing about with just giving somebody a, a pair of pants, right? And she was talking about their their uh, their faces just lighting up, right, and just being like, "This is amazing!" And that that's over a pair of pants. I don't know about you, but I have I have like multiple pair of pants. It's crazy, right? And then we think about what God's love did, right? God's love was wasn't just a pair of pants or, an, or a full stomach; it was a, a salvation of our souls. Like, we weren't going to have him. And then he gave us a gift in Jesus Christ through faith and belief in him. And now we have him. And we have eternal life. That's a a monstrous gift, right? That's a monstrous amount of love that he's poured out for us to do that. To be able to have the opportunity to respond to that. So it's in love that bonds all Christians together. It says in love that bonds all Christians together. The love that God has poured out into us Brought into the manifold of God. You guys, in in a few verses up, it talks about the manifold wisdom of God is found within the body of believers, what we call the church. Right? So when we come together in love, the manifold, the, the, the system of which all this love pours out is found in you guys, in us. In us. It's not an individual contributor thing. We are a community of believers where the manifold wisdom of God, it comes in from God, goes into the manifold, and just shoots out across the community. So it's God's love. And then it talks about how it does that. So God's love is wide. It covers the entirety of our experiences and to reach the world. So God's love is wide. It covers every experience of our life. There's not, a tight, there's not one experience where the love of God cannot be found. And when you start to see even the hard stuff, as God loving you, that's maturity in the faith. Because that that allows you to still go before the Lord and when, when it's hard, when it's difficult, and going, I know you love me. I know you love me. I know you'll give me strength. And I know I'm yours. God's love is long. It continues the length of our lives. It doesn't just, I think a lot of times we have that initial salvation experience, right? I call it the the, the kind of sponge phase where you're just like God is the greatest thing that's ever oh, like this is amazing, right? My life's been transformed. I want to tell everybody about him. And then as the sponge phase carries on, you kind of are like oh, it's become very normal. This has become you become complacent in this sense, and and it, but and, and that's when we start to forget. Does he still love me? Do, you know, what did I did I mess it up? Whatever, all of the insecurities. But we remember that like, God's love is long. It continues all the length of our lives and into eternity. All, all heaven will be was, is experiencing God's love at every moment for eternity. I mean, we haven't even really tasted, we've, we've tasted like the communion juice full cup, right? And he's like, I'm going to give you a jug of it, right? Like it's like, that's the difference here. God's love is high. It rises to the heights of our celebration and elation. So it, it goes up with us. So when God does mighty things, we're, it's there, right? That's the easiest place to find it. When we're up at the highs, right? When God does something, when he does a miracle or, or when we're, he does something and delivers in a way that we weren't expecting or whatever, and then God's love is deep. It reaches to the depths of discouragement, despair, and even death. So even in those, the toughest times within this world, in this reality we live in, God's love is still there. It's still there. It reaches to the very highs and the very depths, the very lows of our experiences here. And it surpasses all knowledge. It's a supernatural love. It's a love that should be, that should be deemed ridiculous, right? I think that's where this song um, was. It reckless love came from. That some people don't like. Whatever. I think it's a good song. Um, but it's a it's a supernatural love. It's a love that 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 just gives all, right? He gives all of it. He gave himself up for us as a willful submission for us. It's a supernatural love. It surpasses all in knowledge. Right? God's love can't be can't be outlined in a form and say this is what God's love exactly is. Right? It surpasses everything. We can't fully grasp it. It's a love that draws people into doing things for the Lord they would never consider doing themselves. Amen. Right? So you look at like Sarah Prentis going to the Philippines for ten months. Right? Like that takes a, a love of God to go and do that. Oh, yeah. Right? It takes a love of God to to change. It takes a love of God to. To, to step out in ways that you wouldn't do because you realize, man, God loves me, I love you, I'm going to go do the things you have for me to do. Yeah. I should write, that should be a song. Yeah, <laughs> a rap. Just, yeah, or rap. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, so it sends people as missionaries. I mean, the love of God ultimately is what sent us here. All of us are here because we love God. And we love people. And we want to serve God. And we want to do the things He has for us. And, and we want to see people experience the love of God. Like Paul is saying here, like, man, I pray that you guys get to see the glorious riches, that you'll be strengthened, that you remember who you are, and man, remember how much he loves you. I mean, that's the heart of, of a Christian, is going to people going, ah, I, I want you to know this because you need it. Right? When I go and, and do these Bible studies with these drug addicts on during the week, I'm like, oh, I want you so much to know who this is like I want you to know this God like I do I want to, I want you to know that you're loved by this God and I want you to love this God because from that you'll experience everything you're longing to experience the the freedom that you want right the purpose that you want the life that you want are found in him are found in him and so it's the it's that love that pushes us and, and draws us and and wants us to to do things we wouldn't normally do and then it says here that the love is expressed only in fullness of Christ. It's expressed only in the fullness of Christ. So in Jesus Christ we are complete. That's why we want people to have Him, right? We, I mean, I, I'm so. It's hard for me to look at people who are, sh- are struggling, and it's it's because of other things, right? It's because they're trying to be completed by other things, Amen. and it's just like ah, ugh, ah, don't. It's it's the fullness of Christ. That completes you. It's the union that completes you, right? And I look at coworkers and stuff like that who are who have been. You're kind of they're, they're the very definition of the waves of and winds of every teaching, right? This looks really good right now. I'm going to go through. Oh, that didn't work well. That that I'm going to go this way. Oh, that didn't work well. I'm going to go this way. And you just see it constantly. I don't. Know, you could probably think of 20 people in your life who live this way, right? Where this is the big thing. I'm going to embrace it. This is the big thing. I'm going to embrace it. And it just changes with every type of fad, right? Because they're not finding their completeness in Jesus. Because they don't realize that the fullness of Christ has been poured into them, that in them they are completely satisfied. And we need to be satisfied with Christ. We are empowered and secured by that. And the evidence of this is a full life and taking the step of faith, which means, again, doing things that seem crazy to this world that don't seem right. Right? That that the world looks at it and goes, that's just stupid, right? What did Paul say that to the, the crucifixion is foolishness to the Greeks? And um what's he say to the about the Jews to it? Uh, I don't remember either. I'll have there to look it up. But foolishness to the Greeks, right? The Greeks look at it and go, Your God died. It's stupid. <laughs> right? Like it's foolishness. Right? But then they think that the, then they talk about the resurrection. So we need to remember that in the fullness of Christ, we may seem a little out of the world, right? Which we should. We should seem a little alien in this world. But it's because of the salvation of many souls that we do what we do. We do what we do for the salvation of many souls. And and even just one soul I would go after, right? Just one soul. I mean, I think of all of the change you guys are having to endure right now, right? All of the change with... This is our last Sunday morning gathering for who knows how long... Right, we're looking at you know we're changing buildings eventually. It's just there's a lot of stuff happening. I know that's hard, and I know it's it's been a long road. But we're doing this for the salvation of souls. That everything else that's that's all that matters, right? If we get one person out of this, it's worth it. If we get one more, you know, Aubin and Blake, right, who aren't here right now, because I can talk about ha <laughs> ha. Um, so if you don't come to church I'm going to talk about you no I'm just kidding just kidding I don't do that <laughs> I hide it somewhere yeah, that's a good idea um, but it's, it's those it's those one it's that one soul that we're after right you never know who that is and what God is going to do through that so it's worth the it's worth the risk in my opinion I hope it's in yours too so, we need to experience the fullness of Christ. We need to experience the fullness of Christ. All right, so let's stand and we're going to pray. I was able to do almost an hour. We did good. We did good. So, just to recap when we walk into the presence of God, when we're going to pray, we remember first our identity, whose we are, whose we belong to, right? Who we are derived from. Our name's derived from Him. right? The second part, who gives us strength? Who strengthens our heart? And that heart is strengthened by the changing of the heart, the transformation of the heart, the renewing of the heart, the the fact that our desires, thoughts, passions, everything is His. It's surrendering all those over to say, not my will, your will be done, when we walk into prayer. And the third, we remember we're rooted and established in the love of God. That the fullness of Christ, the satisfaction, the complete unity of Christ is found in Him. On Him alone. So who wants the fullness of Christ? If, raise your hand if you want the fullness of Christ right now in your life. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we want the fullness of You, God. We want to be completely satisfied by who You are. By what You are in our life by the transformation of our hearts. Lord, we want to surrender everything else. We lay it all down. Our, our desires, our personal passions, our thing, the things that we feel like we need. Lord, we lay those down so that we can have the fullness of you in our hearts, in our innermost being. We want to be satisfied completely by you, and you alone. Not by this world, not by what the world says should satisfy us, but by you. So when we come before you, Lord, we come before you as your bride, your church, a body of believers, and the manifold wisdom of God coming together to outpour the love of God into the community, into the ones who need it the most. Lord, I know that you've gone before us, because if, if you don't go before us, Lord, we're not going. <laughs> Lord, go before us. Open the hearts, the minds, the ears of those who need to be shared the love of God or need to have the love of God shared with them. Who need to just be told that you love them, that you are the one who who is the satisfier, the complete unity. So, Lord, and I pray you start to turn their hearts. Lord, that that, that you so love the world that you gave your one and only Son to save all of mankind, but that that would turn their eyes towards you. That repentance is turning to you, turning from the things of the world, turning to you, looking at you with your face shine upon them, Lord. That they may believe in you, that they may be saved and have eternal life. And Lord, that we will be defined not by how many people you've saved will be defined by our complete satisfaction in you. Our complete devotion to you. That there is nothing else in this world that we're not afraid to lose because we have you. Everything else is gone. Everything else will burn. You refine in your fire. So Lord, I pray over these people, these these wonderful missionaries in Utah County, God, you have set apart for this purpose, to be your people here in American Fork and PG and Orem, wherever they're living, God, that you have set them apart, you have moved the pieces like a chessboard to this place and this time to do something radical, to find satisfaction in you, to share your love to the rest of the community, that the communities may be transformed by your power, in your strength, identified in you by your love. So Lord, I pray that right now you will give them the fullness of you. If they, if, if you have it yet, if they can't, if they don't have it, I pray that they have it. That they will experience the fullness of you right now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.